swagger, okay? Regardless of what happens out there, doesn't matter. Keep your swagger. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Five Hole Fantasy Hockey Podcast. We're your hosts today, TJ and Zach. Hey, hey, hey. So we are closing out the Pacific. We're talking sharks, Kraken, flames, and oilers. Uh, we got the Atlantic coming up next week. I'm excited for the Atlantic, man. Like last year, they were the most like high octane, you know, fantasy value everywhere. And I don't know if it's this episode that I'm just like, I'm going to be frank here. I'm not stoked for this episode. San Jose, Seattle. I mean, Calgary and Edmonton, like even Edmonton, the powerhouses they have, like we can preview Connor McDavid right now. He's going to get points. And that's all I would need to say. So there's not, I don't know. There's not like talking points there. You know what I mean? I feel like I got some good stuff down here for this episode. Okay. All right. Maybe like relative to the other episodes, like even, you know, Minnesota, Nashville, Arizona, like I could get up for those, but like San Jose, Seattle, that's man. I don't know. But let's get into it. Um, so like I said, we're, we're five. We're gonna have hole. to talk about the Buffalo Sabres too. Like not ex- I'm not excited to talk about the Buffalo Sabres. We also are gonna talk Tampa, Boston, and Detroit in the same episode. So that's like in the Ottawa. That's with Florida, Toronto, Ottawa, and Montreal. Like that's what I'm saying. So like relative to the other episodes, there are usually like three good teams or three at least exciting teams to talk about. Because Detroit might not be good, but I'm like I'm amped excited about to talk about them. Yeah. Seattle, San Jose, like no offense to anybody fans of those teams, but like, I, I, I don't care. Like I like Timo Meyer. I like Oliver Bjorkstrand. I'm just, I, I can't get up for these, these teams. I just can't. Anyway, let me, uh, let's bring us in. So we're five hole. You guys can find us on Twitter at FHF hockey. We got a discord that's 1500 members plus and counting. Uh, you can get in on. We are actively recruiting for listener leagues. So you can do that two ways. You can either sub to our Patreon. It's uh, $2 a month, and that gets you in. That gets you Discord benefits. Or you can donate $25 to a charity of your choice. So with the $2 a month Patreon, you know we hold on to that all year. So any of the proceeds that come from the listener league Patreon goes to charity, Mental Health America. We're very excited. So the second way is you can donate $25 to a charity of your choice, Show me the screenshot, and that'll get you into a listener league spot. So let's start off. Where are we starting? Seattle, eh? Seattle, eh? All right, let's get her out of the way. They finished 30th in the league, 27, 29, and 6, 28th in goals for, 9th in goals allowed. That's the the bad ninth. Like So like they gave up the ninth most, 29th ranked power play. This offseason, they added Andre Burakoski, Oliver Bjorkstrand, Justin Schultz, Martin Jones, Norris Trophy winner Michael Kempney and uh, Austin Zarnick and Hayden Fleury have left the team. They were like the 29th ranked everything. Yeah, they were they were bad. I mean, you know, not everybody can be a Vegas. Not everybody can go to the Stanley Cup final. The first year of like expansion teams are historically bad. Well, after Vegas did what they did their first year, the NHL, especially with like especially with the with the draft where they you know, drafted players and all the first round picks and stuff that they got and just stashed that. 
the NHL kind of made rules so that kind of thing wouldn't happen again. So Seattle didn't exactly have all of the all of the stuff that uh, that Vegas had to work with the very first year. But I, I, I like, you know, Andre Barkovsky. The only thing I think about Seattle is everybody is going to score like 45 to 50, 55 points, something like that. You're not going to have, you know, an Andre Barkovsky who this year played very well. And he only had, what, 61 points, and it, it was, like, the most points he's ever had. So, like, you think that Burakovsky is going to go somewhere and, hey, he's going to get a bunch of shots and stuff like that, but, you know, he's going to a team where you have perennial 50-point scorers is what we think is going to happen. Do you see anything more than I do? Because I don't, and I think that's the same for Jared McCann. He's going to score, you know, 50-something points. So is Yanni Gord, 50-something points. Like... I don't see a 70-point player here. This does give me, like, Montreal Canadiens vibes. There's not a lot of excitement and a lot of 50-point guys. Andre Burakowski, if he's a 61-point player on Colorado, 63-point pace this year, 68-point pace the year prior, 64 his first year in Colorado, so his three-year average is 64 points, and that's what you get as a product of the Carolina, or not Carolina, Colorado offense. You know, being on one of the highest octane offenses out there, you know, you're a 60 point guy. I don't know. And now you're moving to Seattle, who, like we just said, it was 28th in goals for. Now, obviously, they're adding a bunch of goals with Burkowski, with with Bjorkstrand. I, I think they got better. The only thing you have to think he's at least a top, like he is 100% going to be on the top line. Yeah. What's that top six look like to you? Like, uh, you know, Daily faceoff right now is getting froggy with it. Like they got Beniers yeah, as the how, one C. I don't know how I feel about that. He did. Yeah. He played at one C when he was up with the club. You know that's exciting. That's fun. He's going to be like you know first draft pick ever for this team. Burkowski, Beniers, Bjorkstrand as the top line. I could get behind that, but that's like that's a second line on a bad team. You know what I mean? Like that's not mm-hmm. a that's not a first line. That's a first line when your first line is hurt. Yeah, and you know that Bjorkstrand. You know it was sad to see him go to Seattle. I liked him a lot in Columbus. I'm going to keep on cheering for him. Like this doesn't change my view of him. Uh, but he had an up and down season himself. His point per game through his first 19, then he went half point per game in the next 19, point per game in the next 20, half point per game for the next 20. So he was literally he was up and down each quarter of the season, which was really strange. He's usually another 50. Five to sixty-five point guy, but that was in Columbus, and I think you know Columbus and Seattle might be a little more comparable than Colorado, Seattle. So, who do you want to talk about next here? I mean, did we do we want to talk about something else that's unexciting, like a Vince Dunn? Because I'm unexcited. Yeah, I mean, he is going to be top power play, so you got to talk about that. Like I, the words I literally wrote were "Welp dot dot dot." He'll be top power play. That's all. Like that's it. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's okay to have on your team as, like, you know, one of your bottom defensemen, you know what I mean? But he he's not a he's not a second defenseman on my team or a third. I want four defensemen better than him. He topped out this year at one hit per game. That was a career high for him per game. Uh, his blocks, you know, just about a block. The, the shots have came close to hitting two a game, but they've never actually gotten there. And his, his points, like, he was a under a 40 point defenseman this year and uh you know got about half the power play time but you subtract 
Giordano from the situation. Now he's in um, Toronto, sole proprietor of the top power play. So I, I, you know, 11 power play points this year with Seattle. I could see it going to 15. I just, I just don't think, you know, there's a ceiling there, but it's really out of reach. It's like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory out of reach. You know, there's a fan at the ceiling and you got to start burping. Vince Dunn's burping right now. He's on his way down. Well, I mean, who else is it going to be? That's the whole thing. I mean, there's nobody. It ain't going to be Justin Schultz. It ain't going to be Carson Soucy. You know what I mean? Adam Larson and Jamie Alexiak are out there, but they're out there to, you know, hit people, mm. be be big and mean. Like, it's, you know, it, it has to be Vince Dunn, but they, they suck on the power play. And, you know, Vince Dunn isn't helping. He didn't help. I'm not a fan. I, I even when he was on St. Louis, I was not in on Vince Dunn. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, uh, I do like him a little bit better now that he is going to be the top power play quarterback. That being said, it's Seattle's top power play, so you know expectations are tempered. I don't think anybody's like super hype on this guy either, so I don't think we need to really temper expectations. Everybody's pretty pragmatic when it comes to Vince Dunn. They know what he is. He is a deep league, bottom of your D kind of guy, like 16 team, 4 D. He's he's your fourth, you know. He's waiver wire material in twelve teams. Yeah, I guess if you're reaching, because our our twelve team mocks, I think he's getting drafted. But we we roster four D with five bench. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if he's like so a lot bench of people D. have five defensemen. Yeah, yeah. You know, you you'll get half point per game with upside for maybe forty five. I don't think four, fifty points is here. I really don't think it's here. Jared McCann and Matty Beneers might be the next two top targets here like we've already talked Bjorkstrand I think Burkowski if he's line one it's it's fine like he you know last year he was getting what like 16 minutes time on ice yeah 16 and 37 percent of the power play those two are going to go up just as a factor of you know big fish small pond so I think maybe we'll see Burkowski eclipse like 17 and a half minutes maybe he stays around the 60 point mark because that extra you know, minute and a half time on ice is going to get washed out by moving to a new lesser offense. So best case scenario, he stays in the 65 point range. You know, we're talking about Jared McCann next. Pretty good, decent time on ice. He was kind of, you know, going into drafts last year. He was the marquee player in St. Louis or Seattle. Uh, 55 point pace. Shots look good. You know, I'm thinking we're going to get another similar year and maybe 58 points. It's like. You know the the ceiling here is sixty points on any said, of these guys. You know, yeah. What what fifty five point player do you want to talk about next? I mean, at least McCann, you you get a decent amount of shots. He's shooting almost three times a game at two point seven shots per game. Yeah. Um, but you're not really getting much as far as perifs. You're getting a little bit of hits, and and he definitely helps you out on the power play points because he you know he's going to be top power play. I I'll be honest. I think Jared McCann was actually pretty stoked to go to Seattle, which is cool because like. <laughs> I do think he wants to be one of the guys on a team. He was always overshadowed whenever he stepped into like top deployment in, in Pittsburgh. He really thrived. Well, you're going to. True. You're going to be overshadowed in, but, in Pittsburgh. But I think he really like wants to be 
you know, a meaningful player on a team. So I think it's a great fit for him uh, there. There's upside down the road, but this team as it stands is like, you know, it's not conducive for 70 point fantasy studs yet. It really isn't. And maybe Matty Veneers helps the floor of the team. Maybe Shane Wright comes in and helps the floor of the team. You know, but I was it's going to take some time. Do you time. think we're going to see any Shane Wright this year, even for like, you know, a couple of games? Yeah. He's they definitely can throw him out there for a couple of games in the beginning of the year. Just, you know, say, hey, come to games. You know, he'll, he'll absolutely get his nine games without a doubt. You know, I don't know if he's a year long addition. No, I don't think so either. But I mean, unless he comes out on those nine games, and just sets the fucking world on fire. I think you could have fun. Like, you know, the, the thing is, like, if if he's playing, somebody picks him up, somebody drafts him, you know, you know, there's that nine game window. You're almost stuck with Shane Wright for nine games. So like, say he underperforms wildly. He's, you know, half point per game, maybe less. You, you still almost have this like buyer's remorse and you have to wait out those nine games to see if he gets the 10th game because somebody else might jump on him right away. There's like, there's an aura about his name right now. Well, of course there is. Yeah. Why wouldn't there be? I think they've he got... Dropped, he dropped there. Yeah, he did. I think we'll see him. We're definitely going to see him. Game number 10 is when I'll be making my judgments. I don't plan on maybe a one-game stream. I personally won't have any problem dropping him after one or two games. But, you know, if it, if it doesn't pan out. Again, what's the ceiling? So who else do you got here? I think there's there's a bunch of streamers. I have a cat- I have a category guy in Adam Larson. I mean, I like him for, for categories leagues. Yep. He gets a ton of hits, 183 hits last year, 140 blocks, played all 82 games. Actually, you know what? You know what? Brandon Tanev. Brandon Tanev is one. And he was hurt for most of last year. I almost forgot about him. I can't remember if you talked about him earlier as like a, a category guy, but I think if you know if he's in, he's somebody that you could roster. The hits alone, the offense is there too. This team has a bunch of streamers. Jaden Schwartz, Jordan Eberle, Jamie Alexiak, Adam Larson, like you said. You know, everybody serves a purpose. I think Schwartz is like a good plug and play type of guy. Same goes for Eberle. The top line guys here are going to be the bottom of your roster. Mm-hmm. You can roster them. You should just because they will be useful to a certain degree. But, it, you know, Seattle, just the ceiling is it's not there yet. And, you know, what a perfect segue into goaltending. Philip Grubauer, Martin Jones. That is that is tough. Like Grubauer, you know, look good behind Colorado. And the Kraken gave up the fourth fewest shots on goal per game. And the team's save percentage was DFL, dead fucking last in the league, man. Bad volume, bad quality. They've added Martin Jones just because they want to be meta. And now, like, Chris Drieger's out until, I think it's like March or, you know, January to March, sometime in there. He tore his ACL. No part of me wants any of this. Like, even if it's like Seattle versus Chicago, I'm still like, eh, I don't know if I want to spot start Martin fucking Jones right now. Philip Grubauer had two handfuls of roast beef sandwiches last year. Yeah, dude, too. it was a it was a buffet. A full two handfuls. He had Arby's. 10. Arby's catered. The fucking what do they call their arena? It's like the you know Green Energy Dome or something. Amazon, the number one polluter of the entire fucking world. It's like <laughs> you know Green Energy Dome. Fucking Jeffrey Bezos, you piece of shit. You're going to get a drone sent to your house now. <laughs> a fucking drone strike. You're going to get murdered by drone. A gas-powered drone. Uh, okay. 
Calgary, shall we? We uh, shall. I would talk about Seattle's prospects. Like that's something we've been doing with every team. Shane Wright and Matty Beneers are like it. They've been in the league for two years. Those are the guys. That's kind of it. So we talked about them. Calgary, man. The team they were last year finished sixth. 50, 21, and 11. Sixth best goals for third lowest goals against. Tenth ranked power play. They have added Jonathan Huberdeau, who they just signed, to Johnny Hockey's money. 10.5. So now it's Jonathan Hockey getting that money. <laughs> uh, you got Mackenzie Weger, Kevin Rooney. Oh, you know what? I forgot to say. You like that? Um, yeah, he doesn't like being called John or Johnny. So it's Jonathan Hockey now. <laughs> Jonathan. Uh, <laughs> It sounds like somebody that would have like a children's TV show. Like Daniel Tiger, but Jonathan yeah, Hockey. Yeah. I'm Jonathan Hockey. Nice to meet you. Johnny guys. Tsunami. Jonathan <laughs> Tsunami. <laughs> they lost Johnny Gaudreau. They lost Matthew Kachuk. Callie Arncroke's in, in uh, Toronto. Good Branson's in Columbus with Johnny. Uh, questions surrounding the team here is who is on that top line with Lindholm and Huberto. There are a couple names that I have at the top of my list, and I think we agree that it's going to be Toffoli. Yeah, I think it makes too much sense, and and for a lot of reasons. Number one, I think that Toffoli's game and toughness will be great to have on that line with Lindholm and Huberto. On top of the fact that last year, Andrew Mangiampani. Michael Backlund and Blake Coleman played together the entire year. Like they all played with each other the most. Like they're, uh, they played together on that line. Like each of it is like 60% or something crazy like that. Like they were always on the ice together. So I don't see why you'd be messing that up. Um, even though you'd love to see a Blake Coleman go up to that top line, I just don't think it makes sense. It's Tyler Toffoli here. Well, this is also another thing is like, you know, Tyler Toffoli probably won't be up there for 82 straight games. They're going to experiment with that line. They're so used to having Johnny and Kachuk and, and Lindholm as that line. So like, even if Toffoli does well, they're still going to want to see what a Huberto, Lindholm, Coleman line looks like. A Huberto, Lindholm, Mangiapane line looks like. Oh, I think I'm sure they will. I'm just saying, I think that the bulk of, you know, the bulk of the splits are going to be are going to be with Toffoli up there. That would be my guess. Me too. So, you know, majority share is going to be Toffoli. But I think we're going to see them all. And there's a chance, like, you know, it's it's hard not to mesh with Jonathan Huberto, I'd bet. Over the last three years, he's third in points behind McDavid and Dreisaitl. You know, you would think McKinnon, Kucherov, obviously they missed some time. But Huberto, man, he was two points ahead of Matthews. Five points ahead of Panarin over the last three years. You know, I said this in, you know, our trade episode that Florida was the highest scoring team in the NHL since the 95-96 Penguins with Lemieux as two points per game. Yager had like a point and a half per game. Uh, I think Ron Francis was on, on that team. It's It was, a, that's an old team. So Florida is probably going to come down to earth. Like even if Huberto was still there. So where do we have Huberto this year as far as points go? I mean, I don't see 115 points happening again exactly, but I think above a point per game is easy. I mean, I'm thinking probably closer to like a 90 to 95, and that's because I, I truly do believe in Jonathan Huberto and his talent. Uh, really, the main thing is for me that 
Last year, he was mainly playing with Anthony Duclair and Sam Bennett. Those were his two main line mates. He didn't get his points from Alexander Barkov. He had his own line, and he was running his own plays and running his own offense. So that tells me that, you know, he can get his own points. And honestly, I think that Elias Lindholm is an upgrade over Sam Bennett. And, you know, Tyler Toffoli and Anthony Duclair is more of a wash for me. So actually, I think he's getting a little bit better deployment because, you know, Sam Bennett was his center. Not Alexander Barkov, so you can't say that they got he got the points that he got because of Sasha. Well, he did feast on the power play. I think he had like thirty eight power play points. He had a ton of power play points. Still, I think that you know he's getting an upgrade here, an upgrade with fucking two D's too. With two D's, as he says, for a double dose of this pimping. So I'm landing in the ninety five to one hundred and five range, and I, I honestly think he could still surpass 105 i think it's less likely than you know if he stayed in florida but i think there's 100 points still in the tank even in calgary i think it's possible i think that there, i have here that he definitely still has a 100 point upside i'm just putting it at 90 90 to 95 i think that's more realistic going into a new team and you know we'll see how their power play was because he what he was with with barkov on the power play but we'll have to see how this calgary power play pans out Man, it doesn't get said enough, but the Calgary Flames were incredibly healthy this year. Like, they they really didn't miss much time at all. I mean, just as as what I have down here, you know, the couple of players, you know, Huberdeau, 80 games, Lindholm, 82. Uh, well, I mean, Huberdeau was on another team, but so he's he played 80 games last year. He's going to a healthy team. Coleman, 81. Yeah. Hannafin, 81. Mangiapane, 82. Yeah, their top eight scorers. Combined for a t- two missed games. So that's Gaudreau, Kachuk, Lindholm, Mangiapane, Anderson, Hannafin, Backlund, and Coleman. Coleman and Hannafin each missed one game. That's it. Bums. So Bums. like that doesn't get said enough, is that Calgary, you know, missed the injury bug this year completely. Or Sean Monahan took all of it for him. I don't know. Like Toffoli only played 37 games. So I don't know. I don't know. A lot of Sean Monahan. All right. We cannot even talk. We don't even have to talk about Sean Monahan as far as I'm concerned. So I got I got Huberdo at 100 points plus or minus five. I got Lindholm hovering around point per game. I think uh, Tyler Toffoli could be a you know a pretty solid sleeper, but I think 60 ish points is probably where I would peg him. Like I'm not saying point per game sleeper ish. I'm thinking. Ew, you're pegging Tyler Toffoli. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think um, there are people out there that are drafting him like a point-per-game player, and I wouldn't. I think there's 70-point upside, but I think that's a stretch. I think more likely than not, he'll be between 60 and 65, closer to 60, just as my off-the-top-of-my-head projection here. I think it, you know if Mangiapane gets it, he's going to get his chances, but I think you know second line, um, more than likely second power play. So... 55, I think would be a good year for Mangiapane. I also have 50 to 55. That's what I that's what I put here. What for Mangiapane? For Mangiapane, yeah. Um, I just think that that's how that uh, that second line is going to go. You know, I think that Mangiapane is a 55 point guy. Same thing for Coleman. Same thing for Backlund. I mean, and and maybe even 55 for Blake Coleman. Because in all honesty, he always seems to score like you know 
35 to 45 points. And maybe that's just what he is and we need to stop expecting so much from him. I know we love all like the extra the extra bullshit that he gives, especially the hits. But like maybe I need to start tempering expectations with Blake Coleman. I, I've been disappointed a lot lately. I mean, you think about it. It was really just that New Jersey 30 to 40 games that he played that really sticks out in our, in our memory. He was so valuable during that period. Um, and then he wasn't. He wasn't cutting it in Tampa, and now in Calgary, he's kind of like a background piece. He's not a mm-hmm. main character there. He's 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 an extra. We are dead set on Mackenzie Weger as the top power play QB. I think I really want it. There needs to be room for argument for Hannafin for uh, Anderson as well. There doesn't need to be room for room for argument for Rasmus Anderson. I disagree. I, I think it's either Hannafin or Mackie Weegs, and I think Mackie Weegs is the answer. I think so, too. I think he's the most talented out of any of those players. Anderson saw a lion's share of the time last year. Uh, Didn't really do shit with it compared to the other guys that were on the team. Like, you know, Anderson underperformed compared to them in terms of power play points. 19 power play points to, like, Gaudreau's. You know, how many did Gaudreau have? 30-some-odd? At least. I think a Chuck... Kachuk led the team. Yeah, 25 power play points for him. I think Kachuk had uh, 28 or 29 or something. It seemed like there should have been a lot more power play production from Rasmus Anderson, given, yeah, 29 for Kachuk. Given Anderson's role as the top power play guy, he kind of didn't factor in. And that's not what you want. So try Mackie Weeks. Try Noah Hannafin. All the more reason to. I, I'm definitely big on having Mackenzie Weger up on that top power play. Uh, the only thing I am worried about is I do think that we, especially if he doesn't get that top power play, we're going to see maybe even, you know, a, a quite a little bit of a drop here for Mackenzie Weger. If you think about it, he was on that top pairing last year with Aaron Ekblad and, you know, playing with the the brass of of the uh, the Florida Panthers. So now he's going to... You know, a, a team in, in Calgary where they're kind of, you know, they're... They're chock full on defense. They're reeling a little bit. And and he's going to be playing with, you know, possibly a Chris Hanev or a Rasmus Anderson on that other side. Both of those players together are not Aaron Neckblad. True. And they're just yeah. not. So you're not going to get the same production. You're not going to get the same goals. Um, with that top six that he was playing with and Aaron Ekblad, he saw 74 goals for while he was on the ice last year. I don't think that he's going to see that same amount of production, especially if he's not a top pairing guy or on the top uh, power play. Uh, you're definitely going to see the, his assists go down, which he got 36 last year. I'm worried about the drop-off. But, you know, I could be surprised. I want him to get that power play. If he does, that's going to, uh, you know, help it a little bit for sure. But he's not getting the same deployment as he was. Let me try to make you feel better a little bit. Noah Hannafin was on the ice for 111 goals for. So maybe, just maybe, Mackenzie Weger won't be as sheltered. And, like, I'm using Hannafin because he he didn't really see too much power play time. So I'm just, uh, you know, I'm trying to trying to help you out here, help you sleep. Calgary's got a bunch of streamer level players. 
I think, you know, we've been talking about these three defensemen quite a bit. Whoever is not top power play is going to be one, like they'll wind up waiver wire-ish material. Rasmus Anderson, Noah Hannafin, even Oliver Shillington saw some power play time last year. All three of these guys are going to be, Zach, I'm back on my Calgary has the best defense in the league shit. I'm back there. Last time it happened, Dougie Hamilton was still in Calgary. You know, I bugged you all year saying how great their fucking defense was. You you do love yourself some uh, some Zadorov too. He bangs. He bangs. Another you know defenseman worth bringing up too for for streaming. Banging like Ricky Martin. <laughs> you know Blake Coleman. We've talked about him plenty. Um, you know Mikhail Backlund is somebody that we constantly stream. Sean Monahan, man. Coming back after surgery, which a lot of his season can be chalked up to that. This is it. This is the year where he needs to prove it. And I don't know where he's going to wind up in the lineup. You know, is he a third line center? Is he the second line center? Does he come back to form? Is he back on the top line? That's a stretch. But I don't know about all that. I think second line could happen. Like, you know, if this hip surgery, I think that's what he had. Uh, Somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, I remember hearing that he couldn't even bend over to take face-offs without like having to pop his pop his hip back out. So I think a lot of his play over the last maybe year, year and a half can be chalked up to that. I'd love to see him get back to his like 60, 70, hopefully that Giordano Norris level season where he's point per game. Uh, that would be hot. But I, I think it's worth talking about him in streamers right now. Center super deep. Uh, you still have Mikael Backlund ahead of him. You know, good shot volume out of Mikael. And I still like Mikael Backlund better than him too. Yeah, uh, I love my I love Michael Backlund and Blake Holman. It's hard for us at five hole. Like we've got such a Blake Holman bias, so uh, we're always going to try and talk about him and uh, speak it into existence. But uh, you know, it might not it might not happen. I think they they they've got plenty of streamer levels, man. They're they're goaltending right now behind maybe the best defense core in the league. Markstrom is going to eat. He is going to feast. This is a great defense. They had the third lowest goals against last year. Markstrom sees tremendous volume. Sometimes the best in the league. I think Markstrom, you know, his ADP is is pretty good. So I, I love targeting Markstrom in drafts this year. Nine friggin' shutouts. He had great numbers this last year. Great numbers. And I and I love Ladar as a as a backup. He's not bad. Yeah, but there were times where they were sending Markstrom out both games of a back to back. They gotta stop doing that. Yeah. Huh? Well, they gotta stop doing that. There's no reason to do that. You don't. You don't have to do that, Calgary. Stop. That's why you have backup goal. Uh, in terms of prospects, they're actually looking pretty good. They got Connor Zari, Matthew Coronado, Jacob Peltier, um, Dustin Wolf. I want to get a read from you on Yuso Valimaki, um, who for two years now has been like kind of shit or get off the pot. And uh, I think uh, I don't think it's going to happen for him. I'm just going to go out and say it like I really don't think don't think he's the guy anymore. I don't think he was a guy last year. I think his stock has been falling. Uh, he just has not panned out. Daryl Sutter doesn't like to give chances to new guys. He already got a chance last year and got promptly scratched. I gotta say, I you know, I'd be selling. I would. Is is he even on the team anymore? He is, yeah. Oh well, then yeah. I don't. I'm not really big on use Valimaki anyway. Let's talk San Jose, yeah. San Jose, huh? 
Can we just can we just move quickly through San Jose? Like you know my thoughts on the San Jose Sharks. Really, all there is to talk about is Timo Meyer, man. That's it. That's it. All right, San Jose. This team finished 22nd, 32, 37, and 13, 30th in goals for, 12th in goals allowed. Again, the bad 12. Power play ranked 22nd. They uh were at 19%. They lost Brent Burns. They lost Rudolph Balsers. They lost Ryan Dezingle. They brought in Luke Kunin, Oscar Lindblom, Nico Sturm. Questions about this team. William Eklund. They have a new head coach, David Quinn, who we all hated from a fantasy's perspective while he was in New York because he was a dickhead about line combinations. Like It'd be different every day. It'd be different every period. There just was not continuity. Um. They have three goalies right now. Bernier, or not Bernier. I always get Bernier and Reimer mixed up. Reimer, Kakinen, Hill. Who stays, who goes? They're all one-way contracts. Somebody's got to go. Somebody's got to get waived, potentially picked up for free from somebody else. I think new GM, uh, Mike Greer, is going to hold on. Somebody's going to get hurt in training camp on another team, their goalie, and maybe Reimer is a, is a trade piece. But, you know, I can't really think of anything else that would that would work here. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to think that Reimer would be the the one on the way out because you'd want to keep the younger players and, you know, especially Capo Kacken. And I, if, if they would waive or, or let him go, I would be surprised. But I, I would love for Capo Kacken to go to another team. I do think he's he's got the highest ceiling out of any, any of these three goalies here. Uh, top fantasy targets, it's got to be Timo Meyer, like... He's a power forward. Dobler has talked about how the breakout threshold for power forwards are 400 games. Uh, so a little bit later than just regular forwards. It is a contract year for Timo Meyer. This year he saw a huge time and ice jump from 16 to 19%. He finally got power play one, uh, you know, with the uh, departure, let's call it, of Evander Kane. Which Timo do we get, though? His first half, his first 38 games, 101 point pace. Second half, 61-point pace. And I just, I can't figure out what happened. The only thing that sticks out is that he, like, got a bunch more penalties. That's not it. Like, you know, that's not what kills the game. I think it's just the Sharks. I think it's just the Sharks in general. Yeah, I mean, shooters are are streaky. But, I, I, you know, I looked at his IPP. It's not out of hand. The on-ice shooting percentage was a little bit high in this first half. 5v5, he was tied for first in the league in points. Led the league in high danger chances, rush attempts, shots, expected goals. He was second behind Austin Matthews in scoring chances, second in rebounds created. And they weren't, it's not like they were playing bad teams in the first half either. You know, his line mates went from Dolan and Couture to Hurdle and Barabanov in the second half. So maybe that played into it. But I got a bunch of his rate stats here. First half versus second half. That's how I'm going to go. His shots on goal per 60 took a 5% drop to the second half. Points per 60 took a 53% drop. Scoring chances, 9% drop. High danger chances went down by 38%. Rush attempts went 28, 21% down. Here's the penalty minutes. They went up 722%. That's ridiculous. He spent 722% more time in the penalty box, which isn't like, you know, it's 38 pimps. Compared to like, I don't know, six or 12 or whatever. Uh, shooting percentage went down by 31%. So from 9.6 to 6.7 or 6.6. Nothing really stands out. Like his points went down, obviously, but like, why did his points go down? 
his points per 60 going down doesn't explain why his points are going down. It just shows that. Uh, maybe it's the high danger chances. I can't figure it out. Maybe the team figured out how to play him. I don't know. Contract year has got me pretty stoked. It's funny how sometimes you can't explain everything just through numbers. You know, all right, Here, here's an eye test thing for you. Brent Burns is gone. Brent Burns is gone. Timo Meyer is going to take more shots next year. He has to. Well, and he was already taking fucking 4.2 4. shots per game, you know, as it was. I mean, Tomash Hurdle, same thing. First half, 37 points in 43 games, and then just tragically back down to earth. The whole team seemed to hit a wall. Um, Logan Couture, I don't know, man, like, consistently hits the waiver wire uh, after the draft. I don't, don't like his face, Logan Couture. No. I've, I've said this a few times before. He looks like somebody tried to draw Sidney Crosby from memory. And don't get me wrong, he's rosterable, but, like, centers are deep. So, like, I'm not in on Logan Couture. Like, you know what I mean? If if you draft him at the end of the at, at the end of the draft, then okay. Same thing for Tomas Hurdle. Really, Timo Meyer is the only one that you're really looking to draft, except for Eric Carlson. Yeah. Eric Carlson's probably the second person off the board from the Sharks. At least that would be my guess. I mean, he's the unchallenged uh, power play quarterback now. Um, you would have to expect what, maybe 25 to 30 power play points. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe take some of Brent Burns, power play points, throw them onto Eric Carlson's total. So you think maybe 25, I think 25. Um, the only thing be, is he, that'd be the upper bound. No, you get no fucking peripherals from Eric Carlson. Like, you used to get a shit ton scoring, of blocks. Well, he doesn't anymore. Yeah. He just doesn't. He just doesn't get peripherals anymore. So if he's not getting the points and he's not getting the power play points, then you know it's 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 time to go. Yeah, it went from like three blocks a game in sixteen seventeen Ottawa to under one. And that's the thing; they don't have you know they don't have somebody else to like you know take his place. Who who are they going to put in the first? Power play unit. Fucking Ferraro. Yeah. I think Ferraro could get power play too. Hey, maybe playing the first line. Forget about it. Our favorite used car salesman, Mario Ferraro's used cars. Come on down. I got a Hyundai with your fucking name on it, bud. All right. Uh, Streamer. I I like Mario Ferraro. Yeah. I got it wrong. He's my number one target in streamers. Yeah. I I actually, you know what? William Eck. 140 hits, 151 blocks. Dude, he's, he's like he bangs. He's as good as a salami sandwich with a little bit of mustard. <laughs> he bangs, dude. If he doesn't have a gold chain, I'm not. I'm not fucking streaming him next year. Um, William Eklund, man. Uh, you know, three game point streak to start his NHL career. You know, he was getting okay power play time and ice. Uh, played nine games. I think he got one more point through the the last six games. He only had one goal after he went back to the SHL in Sweden with Jugarden. He had 14 points in 29 games over there. You know, I think this year he sticks. I think he's on the team. I think we get a full season out of Eklund. I got guys like Barabanov, uh, Kevin LeBanc, who I forgot existed. Um, We've seen him hit 55 before, but he only put up six points in 21 games this year. So I wonder, and I will wonder from afar, I'm not going to be wondering with him on my team, but I'm just curious like what his season looks like and whether or not we can write him off altogether. I feel like you already have. You did like two years ago. 
uh, we're still talking about Kevin LeBanc. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm actually curious about uh, Luke Coonan. You know, he so banged. that's what I was going to yeah. bring up next. All right. Have yeah, that's what I yeah. was going to bring up next. Do it. I want some of his 200 plus hits on my team. Yeah. That's what I want. He was like. Uh, but the whole thing is, I, I think that he could use, you know, some of that Logan Couture in his life. You know, I, I'm not big on Kevin LeBanc on the other side. Don't get me wrong. But I like Lukun in the second line spot, possibly with, with uh, Logan Couture. The only thing is, I don't know if he is going to strictly be on that second line. I don't think that he's a top line guy. And I also think with Oscar Lindblom also being a left winger, who I'm just glad that, you know, Oscar Lindblom landed on another NHL roster. Uh, nobody's dessert, you know, more deserving than that kid. But Lindblom has serious upside. Um, so I think that he could um, supplant Luke Coonan, who could, you know, fall down to that bottom six as like a checking, you know, a checking winger, which what he is. You know, if he's not getting some of that top six time, his his points are going to, you know, uh, stay as, as bad as they've been the past couple of years. You know what I mean? He's he's not exactly a a point-per-game player, we'll, we'll just say. Here's my take on the whole thing. Daily Faceoff right now has Luke Kunin inside the top six on the left wing. Uh, I've already said that I think William Eklund, a left wing, is going to be there the whole season, which is going to push Kunin down. Or... Kunin goes to the right side. Kevin LeBanc goes down, which, you know, I, which would be smarter. It would be if everything works out. Like, I don't know what Kunin's handedness is off the top of my head. And I don't know if that's going to work. So maybe it doesn't work. He's a lefty. I don't know. I'm positive. I think so. I think it's like 80% of players are are left-handed. So that's because it's, you know, right-hand dominant. So he is a righty. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Fucking a! See, I had a fifty. I had fifty percent chance. I just told you you had eighty. If if I would have been right, I would have. I I definitely would have made sure you knew about it. I'm glad you let me know about it after being wrong. Either either way, yeah. No, I'm gonna let you know either way. So here's my take I'm on Lukunen. I'm, I'm used to it. I think we're gonna get 150 hits. Okay. I think we're gonna get it no matter what. If he's on the third line, it's hits. If he's on the second line, it's hits with some point potential. So he's obviously a lot more exciting the higher up the lineup he goes uh, and i think that's kind of just baked into fantasy hockey if you're if you're higher in the lineup we like you more all right let's talk about the goalies because i guess we have to uh capo kakinen james reimer aiden hill kakinen i've already said i think he's got the highest ceiling here reimer does have the largest body of work aiden hill is serviceable you know with some good flashes here and there but just as many bad flashes I think they roll into the season with uh, Kakinen and Hill. I think Reimer is a you know trade casualty somewhere. We'll see. Which is his career, so it's right on track. Yeah. Uh, prospects, they got William Eklund. I think he'll be in the show this year. Thomas Bordalo, we could probably see flashes of him. Ryan Merkley, who has, um, you know, he came into the league as kind of this, you know, he was a bad bitch. He was going to hit. He was going to be good at the offense, but he is so bad at defense that his stock is dropping uh, and they, they just can't have a liability like that on the, out on the ice. So Ryan Merkley is once again, going to take some time, uh, maybe go the way of Yusuf Valimaki. They got guys like, you know, Ozzy Weisblad. I think they drafted Philip Beestead this year. That was their, their first round pick this year. Yeah, buddy. He's going to be like a bottom six guy. He very well could be. 
All right, man, Edmonton. Let's uh, let's cap it off with the boys in blue. Uh, they finished 11th, 49, 27, and 6th. They were 7th in goals for, 15th in goals allowed, so right in the middle. Third-ranked power play. They have locked Evander Kane up longest term, no pun intended. Uh, Jack Campbell and Matthias Yamark have joined the team, and they have gotten rid of Zach Cassian. Questions surrounding the team. Is Evander Kane power play one, or is it puckhound Zach Hyman? Offensive upside, the edge goes to Kane, but... Uh, you know, net front might go to Hyman. And man, he's just a little bulldog. He's bulldog and 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 they like him there too. Like he'll get Connor you them McDavid pucks. says a yeah, Connor McDavid says a lot of nice things about him. Like he likes having uh Zach Hyman on his line. So I'd imagine he likes him on the power play. But Evander Kane is so much better at the offense. But e- even if he doesn't get that top power play unit, I'm not gonna lie. I am targeting Evander Kane in every possible draft. Mm-hmm. Points leagues. Big time. Banger big leagues time. even more. E- every kind of league, it doesn't matter because he's going to be a serious supporter on your team for every single one of them. I, I think I think he could get a I think he could get a point per game this year. That would be hot. I I'm into like the sixty to seventy range, and I think point per game is definitely attainable if he's on that top power play. Because I, I do. I think both of these guys are the net front. So I think there is a competition between these two guys. And we're going to see both of them. And that's going to bring me right into a very similar conversation between Barry and Bouchard. So there are two like you know two parts of this power play that could go to one of two people. So there are four people that are gambles for this top power play. I think you know Evander Kane is probably the most stable just because he offers you value even if he doesn't get top power play. So he'd be my number one target out of these four. Kane, Hyman, Barry, Bouchard. I'm on Team Barry, and I hate that. Like, I want it to be Bouchard. I like him more. And this is something I've tried to say, you know, in the Discord, in other episodes. They're in Connor McDavid's window. They're in Leon Dreisaitl's window. They don't have time to groom Evan Bouchard. They need Barry to go out there, be the guy that's done it, be the tried and true. This is not to say that game 80, game 81, game 82 of the year, it's not Bouchard. But I think out of the gate, it's Tyson Barry. And I've been seeing Bouchard go earlier in every single mock that we've been doing. And I've seen Barry fall. I think Barry is going to be one of the biggest value plays in the draft early. I do think Barry loses top power play at some point this season if he doesn't have that top power play he is not worth he, he's hardly even worth rostering no not probably not all. if he doesn't have that top power play he's not worth rostering no nah, he don't he don't do jack shit he's a third pairing so he's getting like fucking 17 minutes bouchard's got the shots bouchard's got a little bit of periphery that makes him exciting bouchard should have top power play by the end of the year but that's the thing like we're previewing a team that hasn't even stepped foot on the ice yet so we're guessing and in all honesty, I think Philip Broberg is the fucking power play quarterback of the future. I think you're wrong, but that's fine. Broberg is going to be good. Bouchard is is the Macar. Broberg is the Byram for Edmonton. That's how I see it. Like on a much, much, much not as good muted level. level. <laughs> yeah, like very muted. Like don't get me wrong, I love me some Evan Bouchard. You know, sure. I probably like for him sure. more than even you do. But like. Byram, you know, he's good. 
he's not Kale McCarr. I think Broberg, he's good. He's not Kale McCarr. I could see Broberg being like an Oscar Clef bomb, but I could see Bouchard being like, I don't even know how to, how to, how do I put it? I don't know where you're, I, I, Where's I, his I don't know where you're going with this one now. I don't know. I think Broberg would be a perfect power play two quarterback and a good defensive presence at even strength. Bouchard has the offensive flair. In two years, I like Broberg a lot. I'll take that bet. I think it's Bouchard, and I I think it's easy. How does how does Jack Campbell translate to this team? I think it's great for Jack Campbell. It's good for him. He's getting paid. Yeah, he's getting paid. He's and 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 he is you know he has a bunch of goalies behind him that they obviously are not into, and for good reason. I wouldn't be into Stuart Skinner. Or, or <laughs> do you know what the first it, line I wrote for Stuart Skinner Smith? is? What? I, I, um, the first line for Stuart Skinner that I wrote, it was, I'm actually pretty into Skinner. Good for you. I think, I think he's good. I think he's going to push to be a one B. I don't think it's going to be 50, 50. I think it'll be closer to 60, 40. He might even push for like 55, 45, but I think Skinner's good. Skinner is the reason they passed up on Jesper Wallstead, like a bunch of idiots and went for Xavier Borgall, you know? They passed on Jesper Wallstead at like 20. Oh, my God. Wallstead was like getting projected in the top 10, the top 15. And he made it to 20, and they didn't pick him. And then they had uh, friggin', what's his name? Konovalov quit. He was just like, oh, I'm gone. I'm going back to Russia. And then like, now they're screwed. They, re- they should have, man. They should have taken Wallstead, but whatever. I am not as high on Stuart Skinner as you are. I'm not as high on Jack Campbell as you are. His high danger save percentage was seventh worst in the league. Edmonton gives up a fair bit more high danger chances than Toronto. Smith was 14th in high danger save percentage, 14th best. So like he was good at what Edmonton was bad at. Jack Campbell is bad at what Edmonton is bad at. That's going to not, that's not good. That's not good. That sucks. He, he was really good to start, like 946 right out of the gate, 12, 4, and 1. You know, people were talking about Campbell as a, as a Vezina candidate. After he came back from his rib injury, he had in his final nine games a 915. But the meat of his season was an 889 from December to March. And maybe it was because it of the was rib injury. It was pretty rough. It was it, so good to start oh, yeah. the year, too. He was it great. It was pretty rough those, those first months of the year. It really was. You know, we haven't really seen him have a starter's workload, but he does have a history of injury. I don't know if he's ready to be a starter. I don't know if he's ready to start 55 games. And he also had double-digit rope, roast beef sandwiches. Yeah, probably. Like, I wonder like if he, we can just... He ordered, he ordered catering as well last, last year. I just I wonder if it's all because of that rib injury. So, like, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. You kind of have to. He's changing teams. So, you're going to take that chance. But what we do... What we do have here is a probable volume starter on a very good offensive team. Defense, we'll see. I don't think, you know, come on. I mean, we'll see how it works out. I am obviously higher on Campbell than you are. Um, I would be perfectly fine with drafting him. You're not going to, he's one of those guys that's going to go in like the goalie run. People aren't going out of their way to get Jack Campbell. So if you just end up with Jack Campbell, I'm fine with that because that's when I think he's going to go. But I think that he's going to. I think that he's going to get more games um, than I believe you think he will. 
I think it's going to be more of a 70-30. I expect a pretty bulky load. Ew, giggity. Anyway, uh, Connor McDavid, he's going to get points. Dreisaitl's going to get points. He's good. Um, he's also really good. You know, Evander Kane, top power play, would make Evander an absolute unicorn. He's projected to be on the top line, which I think has its benefits, and that's obvious. You know, top power play could really push him into another level, and that would be insane for a full year. Darnell Nurse, he bangs. I think the offense is gone. I think we see bangs power play and, two. And blocks. Power play two is, you know, it's it's Barry, it's Bouchard. Those are your two power play quarterbacks. I think Nurse, like what I noticed with Jay Woodcroft is he was he was like, like almost rolling defenseman, which is weird. And he didn't really save any power play time for Nurse. So, I, I, you know, I think what we're getting out of Nurse is just periphery, which he's elite in. Um, RNH, you're a big fan. I know you like him a lot. I think the offense is kind of like middle of the pack. You know, he is good because of the power play. I wonder if he's 3C or if he's with Dreisaitl and, you know, either Yamamoto or eventually Phil Kessel. We'll see. I do think Phil Kessel signs at Edmonton. So, uh, Zach Hyman, you know, top power play is a potential. I think if he's, if, if he doesn't have top power play, I think we're looking at it like a 50 ish point guy. Uh, if he does get top power play, I think it could be 60, 65. I like him a lot. I think he's good at hitting. He shoots a fair bit. Good playmaker. So the, the question mark in the, in that, in that top six, we have obviously, you know, McDavid Dreisaitl, likely I'm thinking Nugent Hopkins, or at least I always do. Kane, I would put Zach Hyman on that on that top line. Who is that sixth guy? Is it Kyler Yamamoto like it was most of the year last year, or is it Yessi Pugliarvi? It's Phil Kessel, dude. I'm telling you. It's not going to be Phil Kessel. He's a third line guy. I don't know. If, if, they, if they get Phil <laughs> Kessel and put him on the second line, man, man. Do you really think he can hack it out there with... with Dreisaitl? Dreisaitl's got brick boots, dude. He does not move. Brick boots. He skates like uh, Couturier. I've always noticed that. Like He long strides, and he's got speed, but it just takes him a while to get there. I don't know. I think I think Kessel will be fine. I think he's better than Yamamoto. He, you know, Puyarvi would be my bet. If, I'm, if I have to pick out of the two, I think it would be Puyarvi. Prospects, they are, you know, they're not exactly flush. They do have Philip Roberg, who we talked a, a bit about. Uh, Dylan Holloway might be their top prospect. Xavier Borgall, mm-hmm. I think, is, a, is somebody to talk about. Carter Savoie. We're seeing Ryan McLeod here a little bit, which is exciting. Reed so. Schaefer was their first-round pick this year, last pick in the first round, mm-hmm. and he is a BFG, too. Anyway, guys, that is it for our uh, our Pacific. We're, we're closing that one out. So next week, we got the Atlantic, and then we're going to move on to uh, – player rankings we're going to get into our rankings so that's always fun for us and just frustrating to respond to because nobody likes rankings except for the people who are ranking so this one's for us it's just fun so get ready to be mad because we don't pick the guys you like but that's that you guys can find us on twitter at fhf hockey you can join the fantasy hockey discord get in on listener leagues if you dig that's it love yous love yous
Nuggets. 